We we've been talking about Twin it. Peaks a lot. Yeah, it's but not for Eternals. <laughs> we I, talk I haven't watched it. Yet. It's all we talk it's kinda, about. Yeah, this is Aaron Twin Peaks. Uh, Doom Eternal podcast apparently. <laughs> but we talk about Formerly Doom Eternal usually negatively. Except oh, so for let's Aaron. talk about Doom but Eternal because I, like, I, like... I was playing Doom Eternal right before this podcast. Oh, man. What are you it's doing? I, I was playing the <laughs> first level of the DLC uh, Atlantica, and I think that that level no! is actually like debatably among no! the best of the new Dooms, like l- maps. It's it's one of the best ones. I would <laughs> say it's up there with Foundry and Super Gordonest and whatever else you want to throw as a top contender. It's a really really good level. Just, just uh, to be clear, clear, Aaron made the claim that Sekiro is maybe the best FromSoft game, so his credibility is in the toilet, so just don't listen to anything this he says. This guy said The Lighthouse don't is like do- an Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> which which elicited a it. what? In all uh, caps, what from Madden? was like, what? <laughs> yes. Really? So, uh... <laughs> uh <laughs> it's funny you guys remember each other's critiques of... Each thing. I mean, good. I, I just like basically it. knew how to trigger Oren at the start of last podcast, and it was like such an effective trigger that it, it was it horrible. I, I actually have been, th- I've actually been thinking about it. Like I've been, uh, I've just like, Stewing. I just have my nine millimeter pistol, and I'm just slowly, <laughs> methodically cleaning it and just lining the bullets up. You know, at night, just like, hmm, Aaron, you said that Sakura is better than Bloodborne. I said it's arguably <laughs> the best FromSoft game. Yeah. Um, whether I mean mm-hmm. whether you mm-hmm. like it better than Bloodborne, I guess a different question. But uh, George, welcome mm-hmm. to the podcast. Uh, Oren, you want to introduce George? Yeah, George. Um, uh, I've been following George for a while now. He has uh, a blog that uh, I've been following quite a bit, and um, I, I just wanted to say that I'm happy that you're on the podcast. And if uh, George, you could uh, tell me a little bit about your blog and um, also your engagement in, in the critics community. I see that um, Matt Zoller Zeitz follows you on Twitter, who is like my favorite critic. I'm a huge fan. So I thought it'd be cool if you could tell me like one, a little bit about your blog, but also how you engage with the critics community. Okay, well, first of all, thanks for letting me be on your podcast this week. For sure, man. Um, is, um, like the reason I started a blog is because I I like reading blogs a lot, like Seven Wall Vulture. Like uh, I read a lot of them. I even read like small amateur like blogs. So I started thinking to myself, man, I just make my own blog and like you know like write about my own opinions on art and TV and games and stuff. Um and. Uh... Like I'm a big Vulture fan, um, big fan, so I could definitely see that. And uh, I just wanted to bring up in particular because I think it's so so cool that um, that you interact really, uh, fairly closely. It seems like with Matt Zoller Zeitz, who again is like a big big TV critic, big movie critic. And um, I noticed that whenever I follow you on, follow you on Twitter and Letterboxd, you're always so engaged with. Uh, with the conversation surrounding TV shows, movies, games. And I just think that engagement is awesome. And I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that too. Um, well, thing is I'm very antisocial. So like I, so like I tend to immerse myself in pop culture, like movies, TVs, and video games. And I like talking to people online about it. Like my other sites, he got me because he's like, Hannibal is one of our both of our one of our favorite shows. 
So, you know, like, that's a big reason why he's one of my favorite critics. And, like, he always he has these, like, events at IFC Theater in, in New York, like, art house films. Like, this week I'm going to go see The Graduate, a, a screening by him. I, I saw that. That is so cool but that he's doing that graduate screening. I was like, ah, I wish I was in New York, <laughs> you know? Um, no. Yeah. Uh, I, so that's, uh, that's so cool. Cause I used to live in New York. So I would go to IFC center all the time. It's like one of my favorite spot that spots that in film forum. Uh, do you go to see like midnight screenings at the IFC center a lot or like stuff like that? Um, no, typically at night I see it. Oh, for sure. Uh, what's like, like in my neighborhood, we have the Alpine Cinema, so like I sometimes I saw movies there too. Sure, sure. Do you ever go to the what's the cinema? In, uh, other cinema in Brooklyn, Bam Bam Cinema. Do you ever go there? It's like the, it's like the film museum. They have their own cinema. Do you ever go to that one? I never heard of that movie theater. I can't remember the exact name, but I think it's called Bam. Um, but that one's really cool. Um, yeah, uh, the last question I wanted to ask you, George, uh, before we move on to uh, the topic of the week is um, just uh, what's like the last uh, like really great movie that you watched that you felt compelled to write about? I follow you on Letterboxd and saw that you wrote a little bit about Michael Mann's Thief, but uh, I was wondering if there were any other ones. Well, yeah, Michael Mann's Thief is the last film I saw. It was awesome. Like everything, James Caan, Michael Mann, the whole style, the style of Michael Mann is like so autorish. Like it's definitely a one great 80s film. I don't tend to write a lot because I don't trust my own writing quality. So like I just tend to write on Letterboxd or Twitter. But, like it was a lot of similarities between that and Drive, the Drive movie. I could see where Nicholas Winding Refn got his inspiration from. Yeah, it's kind of a lot of people when they talk about the movie Drive, like usually they think The Driver by, um, oh my gosh, the director of The Warriors. Why can't I remember? Walter Hill. They think of Walter Hill's The Driver, but usually when I think of Drive now that I've seen Thief, is I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just Thief. He's just doing Thief, but 30 years later hmm. or whatever. Um, yeah, so... Anyway, George, I'm ha so stoked to have you on. I think it's so cool that you're uh, so involved in the New York critics community and like with your blog. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. All right, let's for talk sure. about the state of play. Yeah, I didn't let's watch. Yeah, you did the right. That was the right well, move. Um, let's just spoiler <laughs> alert. That, did you watch the state of play, George? Yeah, yeah most of it. What are you guys' thoughts? What are your takeaways? I'll let you guys go. Mm. <laughs> I'll just say that um, here, here's my take on Sony's state of play. I just think I'm a big fan of – I'm a big Sony fan, right? I'm kind of a fanboy. I love The Last of Us Part Two. Huge defender of that game. Love Bloodborne. Love a lot of their library. I just love Sony as a company. Uh, I don't think there's really an excuse for what they did last week because a lot of people have been apologizing for it. They've been saying like, okay. There's no excuse. It was that bad. No excuse. Well, it's not that it was, it wasn't just like, a, it was, just wasn't bad. It was just, they just decided to do kind of a low key conference, which any other time of mm. year I think would be fine. Yeah. 
but because but because this is E3 season, I don't think it's really justified that they did like a 25 minute presentation showing stuff that they've already shown. Mm-hmm. Um, you wanted some bombshell announcements or something. There was no bombshells. <laughs> right. But that was the expectation you had going in. Correct. Well, uh, my expectation is that it would be a big conference. And uh, then they clarified on Twitter, oh, we're just showing Deathloop and some indie mm-hmm. games. And I was like, when I saw that, I was like, that's kind of a cop out. Like, either if it's E3 season, either do a conference or don't do anything at all. Um, that's where I'm at. Maybe it would have been a good conference if they took Horizon Forbidden West and attached it to this one, I think. But. Um, mm. Yeah, I was pretty underwhelmed. They just kind of showed the same stuff, and uh, I don't know. George, uh, do you think I'm being too harsh? Uh, no, like, the thing is that I went into it, I really didn't expect that much, except for maybe, like, info on Death Stranding, which God, of course. Right. But, like, I didn't really think it would be this big thing, like, E3 style. I just kind of figured it would be mostly indie games. I haven't seen that footage. I need to watch that. Um my favorite game of last gen was Death Stranding, so I should watch that. <laughs> I yeah, I love that game. It could oh. be a, a reason for I you to get a PS5, though. Hopefully, that. I wonder It'll probably how come much to PC eventually. I'm hoping expansion you'll get in this director's cut. It looked cool. The graphics will be a little better. Maybe there's like new combat options. Like I don't, I don't know enough about Death Stranding to know how that's going to change the game. You should watch the trailer though. It's, it, it looked cool. Like I think you'll be pretty into it. Yeah. Um, I I want more hard delivery things more than combat because that's what that game's more about is the delivery. Right. Stuff. Combat's fun though with the mules, but yeah. I, I actually kind of I actually kind of thought the trailer went against the philosophy of the mm. game. I am actually not really a Death Stranding fan. Um, I tried it. I even made a video on it, but I wasn't like that into it. I think I liked it conceptually. But one thing that I loved about it that I really appreciated about it was that it was a non a, a fairly nonviolent triple A game. And introducing combat mm-hmm. options to that game I think is kind of kind of goes against that a little bit. I don't know what you think, Kevin. Seems like and the, the, yeah, and the director's sure. cut is going to find out to me that's saying, oh, Metal Gear Solid Remake coming into you in like two years. Right. Yeah. Like I saw the the announced trailer had some heavy Metal Gear mm. vibes, which I was like. <laughs> <laughs> Even if like, I, I understand that it's not a Metal Gear game and he wasn't trying to make a Metal Gear game. So like some people don't want that, but I am a Metal sure. Gear fan, so I'm fine with that. But I... I think if the, if it's just more options to approach the mule fights that are st- I there's no way it's going to be more about killing people because the game punishes you so harshly for doing so. Hmm. So it'll probably be no, more non-lethal methods cuz that's kind of the the death stranding way. All right. Which is fun. But it's and more stealth uh, That maybe. sounds good. Cardboard boxes. What do you think of yes. uh, Deathloop, guys? Do you think like Deathloop is? I know Aaron, you're like pretty stoked for Deathloop. So yeah, let me talk about Deathloop. Deathloop looks like a sequel to Dishonored with less stealth and more shooting. Which I'm not sure. I'm sure it's going to be a great game, and I'm very excited for it. And it could. It's a. I pre-ordered it. Whatever. But like, it does look like they're just adding a little more combat like explicit combat to to the dishonored 
like uh, you know setup. So I'm I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's, I'd have to play it to know, but it, it looks cool. Here's my hot take because uh, I always have a couple hot takes every single show. Well, this is gonna be my hot take for this oh, show. Okay. If I didn't play Hitman Three this year, I'd be way more excited for Deathloop. Yeah. But because I played Hitman Three this year, I'm not quite as stoked about Deathloop. Does that make sense? Because uh, I feel like I already got that game. These games loop. travel in very similar circles. Uh, I, I think that Deathloop. It's the thing that I, that's, that I find about Arcane trailers can be very misleading and historically have been because like. If, if it's a true arcane game, as we should expect it to be, like you could play it so many different ways. But like the way they showed it looked a lot more shooter heavy. And I'm like, I don't know. What do you think, George? Um, well, the gameplay kind of looks scripted, to be honest. Like the whole segment. But pro- mm-hmm. like for most games, probably is. I only play a little of this Honor series. So, like, from what I know, it kind of looks like that, but with guns, like a Quinn Tarantino style, like mechanic, like aesthetic. Like, it's one of those games, there's no way until reviews come out and see whether or not they're good or bad. Like, I'm not going to pre-order it. That's kind of how I feel, actually. I'm just kind of like, it seems like it could be cool, the whole idea of, it's like Groundhog Day kind of thing. But that's how I feel Hitman is as well. Hitman is kind of like, it's like you play this level over and over again until you're a god. You know every single thing that's going to happen every moment, right? Yeah. Like, you literally, it's like, you know, like, when people are going to, like, do stuff and fail or whatever, so... I don't know. It could be cool. I like Arcane. I just want more shock style prey games. I guess. Yeah. Really. <laughs> so uh, if it's like the, that, the I'm one, on board. The the one thing about uh, Deathloop, I I want to play it. I'm gonna play it eventually, like because it looks really it looks good. But um, I think Hitman Three. There's something about Hitman Three. There's just a certain style to that game, and it's just so sleek, and. Uh, I don't know, like, I really feel like I'm becoming just, like, this cool James Bondy, almost like John Wick, or even Michael Mann-type hitman. Like, I just feel awesome, and I love the atmosphere. Uh, Deathloop doesn't really hit in that in the same way. The style doesn't seem as consistent in what it's mm-hmm. doing. Uh, it's, it's kind of like this 60s thing, but it's kind of not. It's kind of... Like, I'm not vibing with the style as much as I thought right. I'd be. And maybe it's because it's just too incons- inc- it's inconsistent. It's somewhere between, like, know. Shaft and Austin Powers. Uh, right. And, and I'm like, <laughs> do I really want to hang out in this, like, strange Clockwork Orange-looking world? Maybe. Like, it, I, it, it remains to be seen. I, I would have probably preferred a straight Dishonored sequel, but, I mean, I don't know what, what that team's doing. Sure. I'm not making their game. So do you play as the assassin lady or do you play as the other guy who's like surviving? The other guy. In the single player. So she is like the nemesis essentially or Anton Shigger. She's like that kind of and character. And she can be controlled by players. And you can't play as her. So there's asymmetric multiplayer. So she can like invade your or, or whatever. Like a, okay, yeah. I see. Gotcha. But you can't play the game as her only. Uh... Like single player. I, no. I actually don't have the answer to that. I feel like just you a, could. I just don't know switch. what this game's gonna be. That's why I'm like, I don't know what what is this game. I don't feel like I know anything about it. Comes really. out in That's two months. Kind of like, not on the hype to train. The day I guess. actually. Or, Doesn't look yeah. bad. I just I'm kind of like, I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it is about it. It's kind of like missing 
like an X factor for me. Like it seems like a game I should be in love with, but there's just something about the gameplay where I'm like, it's fine, but maybe I just have to play it to see for myself. It's just one of those games. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. I'm more excited for it than Far Cry Six, if for what it's worth, which is a game that I feel like has similar stealth action. I don't know. I guess I want Far Cry Six. I but love it. Those I'm Far Cry games have I such guess. like. <laughs> Their stealth is so like thin in like it like it's barely a stealth game. Like you could just at any moment just blast everybody. There's like no penalty for getting caught whatsoever. Whereas like yeah, are, are you excited for Far Cry Six, George? Do you want to play that? Uh, no, I don't really play Far Cry. I play Far Cry Three like on my PS3 a lot, but like over now I'm only interested for John Carl Esposito. Basically, that's the only reason. Sure. I have a lot opinion, of. Oh, go ahead. The writing in the Far Cry games tends to be really bad, and I often can't stand any character, the good guys or the bad guys. I'm not sure that's intentional, but like in Far Cry Five, I had that GTA problem. GTA Five problem, like where I just couldn't stand every character in the game. So I'm hoping that the six is like less like that. Far Cry Five, everyone was like a complete satire. Have you of seen every the trailers? Stereotype to like to to like the, the top. I saw it, but it seemed like it was more going for like blockbuster action thing than Far Cry 5, which had this, like, we're satirizing America Mm -hmm. thing. So, we'll see. I think I get, like, kind of frustrated with uh, Far Cry because, um, uh, on the one hand, I love the gameplay. I think just strictly on a gameplay level, I have a lot of fun with them. But on... but. Every single time, like for Far Cry Five, I was like, "Oh, are they gonna are they gonna make a game uh, that is uh, satirizing or critiquing like uh, white supremacy in the Pacific Northwest? Is that what they're gonna do?" And they totally like whiffed on that. And I was like, "Okay, whatever, that's fine." But then with this new game, they're they're doing it in Cuba, but they're saying it's not political. But then they say it is political, and then. Uh, Juan Carlo Esposito compares like Fidel Castro to Hitler, and it's just like I don't know. We've talked we talked about this on yeah. the E3 showcase, and it's just kind of I kind of wish they would just commit to something instead. Of I think just, that was a faux pas on his part. Yeah, I it probably was a faux pas. Yeah, um, I think it was a faux pas, and I think it was like an unscripted moment, which actually kind of made it somewhat earnest, which I liked because sure. it seemed like he was just like talking, but it definitely was not a probably. Thing you want to compare a character to. yeah i yeah it was so. it was all it was almost like there was like an ubisoft guy in his earpiece like going like you can't endorse fidel castro don't do it and then he was like yeah. oh fidel's like hitler hmm. you know <laughs> just like, yeah that's how it felt like anyway. yeah i don't think we're gonna get a challenging piece of political anti-war art or anything like that from ubisoft anytime soon <laughs> this is that that's that's Probably my not. thought just play Spec Ops the line. Yeah. That's the... Yeah. <laughs> I saw George nodding. You're a fan of Spec Ops? I know. Like, gameplay's kind of, like, repetitive, but, like, the story was great. The story was good. Yeah, that was... I feel like that's one of the few true anti-war games that actually had a stance. Um, so. Yeah. Spec Ops the line, check it out. Which one? MGS Five. MGS Five. That game is so I think anti-war. All the Metal Gear Solid games like, are anti-war. Yeah, yeah. Five was like, like they they took a hard line. 
I guess they all are. It's true. They're all in, in well. Uh, what wasn't it? Uh, Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker that had like the extended uh, monologue where they were talking about how Che Guevara is like a war hero and like a person to aspire to. So okay, Kojima he uh, he doesn't shy away play... from being political. No. I didn't play Peace. Yeah, Walker. I didn't play Peace Walker. That, that's like a like a handheld only game, right? Yeah, but there's uh, it's on I actually haven't played it, but I, I found out about yeah. it just like. Uh, um, reading about Hideo Kojima's like politics in his games, and there was, there is like an extended five minute monologue where, um, where I believe uh, Big Boss is talking about how Che Guevara is like a hero. Um, so, so yeah, Kojima, he's like, uh, he has pretty uh, strong opinions about the world. He does. That's that I appreciate. You know. Yeah, and about you know where the camera should be placed in relation to uh, partially clothed females' bodies, but. <laughs> He's a little horny. He's a little horny. Or or seventy one minute long cutscenes. He's a big fan of those. Is that Metal Gear Solid Four that you're talking about? (laughs) Four. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Metal Gear Solid Four has a famously long seventy one minute long series of cutscenes. It's not just one cutscene, but it's like a stretch of cutscenes. Can you imagine being that kid who like just beat the game and he's like, "No, mom, I'll be down for dinner in a minute. I'll be down for dinner in a minute," and then that shit starts rolling. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, there, there are a lot of people that defend four. I'm not one of them, but I, I've I've met some I people in my life. It. I haven't played it either. You so, haven't played yeah. four? No, I never had a really? PS3, so I never played four. It's never been on any other platform. I have a PS4. I was waiting for that port. Never happened. It's pretty Maybe interesting. PS5. Maybe they'll bring it. I don't know. Yeah, I feel if like it if ever I did comes a... to their platform. Yeah. Well, I think my favorite will always be three. I think three is just like an amazing. You think two? Two is pretty great too. Two is a close second. Um, what about you, George? I only played five and one so far. Those are both great too. I would I like. Those are both great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think. I think. Okay, here's my final take on Metal Gear Solid. I think three is the most like complete story and complete package. Um, specifically subsistence, mm. but I think two has the most ideas and the most like, you know, like it has the most to say about surveillance, the nature of reality in the digital yeah, age, controlling information, like, all that stuff. Yeah. Great game. I, I like one, the, two and five the best. I can't pick. Between yeah. I would say the right. my only knock against three is that it's like it's too ambitious for its own britches. Like it tries a lot of shit that's very clunky, especially compared to like five or something. Whereas like two plays really well still and has a really good story and it like sure. it, it, it's like the whole package. It's like well delivered. The detail but, of Gear Solid Two yeah. is insane. It's one of the most detailed games I've ever seen. Someone just posted a video of a guy. He like he lifting up a guard. And like he drops him, and is like the guard drops the ration item, and like it flies out, and it hits the laser detector, and blows everything up. And it just like yeah. happened, like just because like the game has collision on the the ration mm. items, <clears throat> which is awesome. It's crazy detail. Awesome, yeah. Here, okay, okay. One last Metal Gear Solid take. Metal Gear Solid Three Snake Eater is not mm. good because they did not fix the camera. Mm. Subsistence, they fixed the camera, so that one is way better. But anyway, yeah. I'm done. I'm done. But that's sick about Metal Gear Solid 2. I'm, I'm glad that Sons of Liberty has gotten like a critical reawakening because a lot of people unfairly trashed that game when it came out. And now they hate it because of Raiden. Mm. 
But right. I actually like Raiden. I don't. I wouldn't prefer to play as him the whole game, but I still like him as a character. It was a good sure. bait and switch, in retrospect. Yeah, it was. It worked. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, that's the Sony state of play. <laughs> actually, can I mention one last game that I actually yeah. enjoyed? Sure. Uh, Lost Judgment, the sequel to 2019's Judgment, RGG Studios. Have either of you played the Yakuza series? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, that's a great. I'm a huge fan of that franchise. Like, you know, it's like cinematic, soap opera like quality. Yeah, like a Yakuza film. And the BMW, except for Like a Dragon, which was like an RPG, which I'm still playing. Like, I took a break from it from other games, but like, I can't wait to go back and do it. Like, Judgment's more of a noir story. Like, it was one of my favorite games of 2019, and I can't wait for the sequel. It's cool they're making a sequel to that. I, I was worried yeah. about Yakuza because so I know Sega took a big hit financially recently. Like, their CEO had to, like, take a pay deduction. And I was, like, worried because I feel like that studio is, like, their best studio right now by far. And I, I recently beat Yakuza Like a Dragon, and I'm like, this is one of the best, this is, like, one of the greatest JRPGs I've ever played. Like, it's amazing. The writing is amazing. Just the gameplay is mm. awesome. It's just, it's like the full package. So, yeah, I want to play Judgment. There's so many Yakuza games I have to play. It's like, all, there's like, I have to play them all now. Yeah, it's kind <sighs> of funny. It's kind of funny, George, because uh, Kevin and I are kind of coming from two different places. Because Kevin played Like a Dragon. I played through Zero, Kiwami, and Kiwami 2. And then I also played the... Uh, Fist of the North Star game. I didn't finish it, but I played through most of it. Uh, and then I like burnt out hard on Yakuza. Like I'm a big fan, but I just haven't been able to play another one because I've just played so many over the course of the past three years. But this this Lost Judgment one looks really fun. It looks like it's different enough where I think I would want to jump on. I, I, I still got to play the first Judgment too. I mean, those games are awesome. Any, so does- any, everyone should play Yakuza. Does Judgment have the same? I'm sure it probably does. Does it have the same funny writing for the side missions? Like this, the main campaign yeah. is serious, and the side missions are hilarious. Probably. Like hilarious, like that really funny Japanese humor. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I have a question for George and Kevin. I am looking for a game to fit in my my Xbox uh, quick resume playlist. I've got Sekiro and like Prey, and they're both like really. I'm playing them, and they're really hard and challenging. And I need something that's a little more easy and then i'll just make steady uh progress is like a dragon like a good fit for that a little more chill um yeah i consider that yeah like the thing is with the jrpg genre it's like there's a lot of like grinding sometimes you have to do like you have to be prepared like stock up on like health and stuff like yeah like there's a lot of side activities and content to do like once you get the hang of it it's a really fun game i think um in terms of like I've had this thing too where I was like playing only like action mm. games and then when we started playing WoW I found like oh playing mundane more calm easy input games are also really rewarding and fun mm-hmm. still and I would say like a dragon is definitely like in that realm it's not like we're not require like a lot of super fast action you can kind of do exploring and like talk to people and there's a lot of like all the, the quests and writing and story are really good if you do play that game make sure you play it in my opinion with the Japanese don't play it with the English dub because the Japanese voice acting is so good, and like once you hear it a lot, yes, you know the characters, you know what they're gonna say. Like they're even though you can't understand the language, you know, like just hearing their intonation and stuff sells it to me much better than the, the dubs. Okay, so I would say try it. Like it's awesome. I think it's it's a really really good. Game. Okay, 
and the combat's awesome. It has like impact and stuff. Like you can feel it. Can you hit guys hard if they ragdoll off screen? Like it's just, it's satisfying. Hmm. That sounds pretty good. Uh, and if you want like a non a non JRPG Yakuza game, that's amazing. Yakuza Zero is pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, zero. Like, 80s, man. That would be the one I would play because the yeah. 80s setting sounds really... I, like, I, I realize more and more one thing I love about video games is the ability to go places that I can't go. And 1980s Japan is a place I cannot mm-hmm. go, except in a video game <laughs> or a novel, right? Or a movie. Uh, also, uh, Yakuza 0 just has really fun, like, Devil May Cry style brawler combat. Hmm. Like, it's just, it's fun taking, like, a knife and just sticking it in a guy's, like, pelvis, and the guy's like, ah! It's just, it's I, fun. I really like the, um, because it's in the 80s, they all have these huge suits, like, big, boxy suits, and it just, oh, it's just yeah. so perfect for, like, the whole Yakuza vibe. Like, I love it. With their, like, they like their mullets and stuff. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I will say, though, my, my hot take is that I think I liked Kiwami 2's story the most. I thought Yakuza Kiwami 2 just had an incredible story that was so well-paced from beginning to end. But Zero was also really amazing, too. Like, I'm halfway you get to Zero. Yeah, you get to play as Majima in Zero, who's like... He's kind of like the Joker of Yakuza. He's, the mo- he's like everyone's favorite character, so that's another reason why to play it. Majima's awesome. Yeah, I I can't think of any other like games from the Sony conference I want to talk about. Like there wasn't really anything. Uh, I I know some people thought Jet the Far Shore looked cool, but it's not really my vibe. Uh, I don't know if you guys are interested in that game. Not really. I'm not familiar with it. I don't even yeah, remember it. All I really remember was the Judgment <laughs> Two and the um uh. Blah, blah, blah. What's the game we were just talking about? Uh, Death Stranding Death and Death Loop. Yeah, and that's yeah. Those were like the big three. I think there wasn't really anything else that. I mean, even the indie games. I feel like the Guerrilla Collective stream had way more interesting looking indie games, um, which we talked about with Zach Frazier. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the Sony indie game library didn't really appeal to me as much. It, like they didn't even show the indie games that i was interested in like where was little devil inside where was stray those are the ones that i was interested in but they didn't show them Mm -hmm. so oh well yeah all right well let's get into the games we've been playing and talk a little bit about ratchet and clank rift apart george you've been playing this yeah i I got last week playing it. it's awesome what do you like i got ps that's the hardest part of playing that that game right is getting the ps5 yeah, I had to buy it off StockX for $100. Oh, man. <laughs> Damn. So I've seen some vi- footage of that game. The detail on the graphics looks incredible. Can you speak to that at all? You noticed yeah, that? Yeah, definitely one of the best games I've ever played. It horns just the PS5 power to potential. Yeah. Like, they have the feedback, you know, with controllers. Like, you know, you aim and shoot. You press halfway down for, like, Shooting a little, you press it all the way down for shooting a lot. It's like it's a great game. Each weapon is like totally different and useful. You can upgrade it, and the story is like it's a great, it's a very well written story so far. What I played, like there's a new rivet played by Jennifer Hale. Oh nice! Like she she's like a great new character. So you interact with Clank. 
Jennifer Hill's always good. Like, I don't, the only wrestling game I played over the North Park is 2016 one. I haven't even finished it. But, like, like, it's very easy to get wrapped up in it. Like, even if you haven't played, like, other games. Like, I played this one today. Like, awesome. Do you think that um, is, is, is dual sense the haptic feedback is it as big of a deal as I, i've not tested it i've never played a ps5 but is it as big of a deal as i've i've read about online do you think it's yes. a game changer yeah i, okay. I played spider-man Miles morales on it it's so good on spider-man like in the web swing mm-hmm. cool like, oh OG. yeah the, i'd the, like the, to try i've, it I've heard sure. that yeah i wonder how it would be Can for grand turismo mm. Mm. probably pretty good yeah Interesting. Uh, George, have you played Returnal? Uh, no, I haven't on it. Okay, so my brother has a PS5. I'm super jealous. And he was telling me about Returnal. And he said that uh, the haptic feedback is so wild that like when it rains in that game, he can feel the rain like pitter-pattering on like the controller. Hmm. Like That's incredible. That's so that's cool. Awesome. Oh, yeah, it actually happened today in the level of Ratchet and Clank when it was you entered another dimension it was raining. I can actually feel it on the controller. <laughs> wow. That's so mm. cool. I got to get a PS5. Crap. Yeah, I've been, I've been camping Xbox. one on the, uh, the Stonks discords. I think it's going to happen, man. I think I'm going to get one, one of those uh, discless ones, because do I need to pay an extra $100 for a Blu-ray player, for like an eighth Blu-ray player in my house? <laughs> sure. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, um, you have to I just really want to play a lot. But before our uh, before our uh, game of the year conversations, like at the end of the year, I, I do kind of want to play Ratchet and Returnal, because... Uh, I feel like those games have a real shot at being game of the year. Mm. So yeah. Mm. Uh, so George, I have a big uh, statement, and I want to. I'm wondering if you agree with this statement, at least Uh-oh, so far. Statement. So I follow I I follow Gene Park, um, who is the Washington Post uh, video game writer, and he said he made the claim that Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is the best PlayStation exclusive since Bloodborne. Do you think that is a valid statement? Uh, maybe I don't know. Like the whole the whole best thing is subjective. So you know, like there's a bunch of there's great games: Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Demon Souls. Like it definitely harnesses like the PS5 its full potential out of all the games. So like, definitely like a killer app right hmm. now. Here's a question: Is it? Yeah. More, I, I mean, I understand that it's a visually astounding game. Is there more to it than that? Do you find the gameplay to be rich and deep and rewarding? Yeah. yeah. Like I went like the each weapon is like you acquire like each weapon is like a totally different feel. Like you can up, upgrade it. Like the stories, like like I said, are very well written. Hmm. Like the new character rivet. I don't wanna repeat myself, but like the character interactions between old and new are like so well written, like Spider Man. Yeah, you get to really care about them. All right, that's interesting. Uh, I have to say, like, so Dave Jaffe, who made the first God of War game, as a developer. Uh, he was like, he did like an and Twisted Metal. Yeah, yeah, Twisted Metal. He did an initial like rev- like preview review, or like like he just gave an off the cuff on Twitch review of Ratchet and Clank, and he was like, it's seven out of ten game, guys. And then he went back and played more of it, and he's like, no, 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 actually, I take that back. This is like this is like a once in a generation like special game. So I was like. If Dave Jaffe, who's who's a notorious troll and shit talker, says it, it might be true. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I saw like on YouTube that Dave Jaffe and Colin Moriarty had like uh, a uh, video complaining about cancel culture, and I was like, "That's like the most like, of course they would." They're like, <laughs> like those two guys of like of all people probably would have something like that. But mm. anyway, um, uh, well, that's sick. I really got to play Ratchet. Like I, I do. I just got to do it. Got to get that PS Five. Yeah, that's the hardest part. That's also apparently the hardest part of Demon Souls. You know, the first boss very difficult. Getting that that PS Five. Uh, all right, mm. what are you gonna tell us? That should that that should be a PlayStation trophy, right? Like you bought a PS Five yeah. and it just gives you a thousand points or whatever. That would be awesome. <laughs> all right, Oren, tell me about this fucking Sea of Thieves. All right, um, the Sea of Thieves. Uh, the I finished the Pirates Life DLC with Jack Sparrow it, hanging out. Is it a li- like a linear quest chain that you finished? Like, there's a storyline. It is okay. a linear. Yeah, there's five like I want to say like two hour long missions. So it's like it's a campaign. Cool. Uh, and I, I played through it with a friend, and we finished it. I want to say two or three mm-hmm. days ago, and it was it was great. I, I'm I'm really. I don't really have much more to say about it that I didn't say last week, but I can confirm that Sea of Thieves finally feels like a full game after this DLC. Yeah. Like I think it's it's been struggling with the content problem for a long time. The game came out early 2019, I believe. Uh, I think. I think it came out in 2017. Well, yeah, actually, yeah. I'm wrong. I think it maybe it was 2018. Sea of Thieves released it was a while ago. Um, it's been a couple years. Okay, 2018. I'm sorry. It came out March 20th, 2018. Um, I think the game has been like I started playing the game recently, but just like through word of mouth, it seems like that game has been struggling with content for mm-hmm. a while. Um, but now I think with a pirate's life, they introduced five really great missions that feel epic and big, like with giant ship battles, giant fortresses like it really feels like a campaign and on top of that they've introduced new enemy types new types of side missions new loot new weapons like it finally feels like a full game with a lot to explore the one thing that i wish they would add though is i feel like they need to have at least one more giant sea monster like they still have the megalodon and the kraken which are awesome but i just want like one more like that's like, and then I feel like it would really be complete. And I'm kind of thinking, for like that one more sea monster, I think it'd be so cool if we fought like, because you know, Pirates Life DLC, Pirates of the Caribbean. I think it'd be really cool if you fought like Calypso or something, like a giant thing that would surge out of the water and attack you, like the giant humanoid. Uh, but I just think they need one more monster. That's where I'm at with or Umi Bozu. But- from uh sure why not yeah what about godzilla would that be kind of fun <laughs> sure like or like or the lognus monster yeah. like i feel like it just needs one more mm. monster to shake things right. up uh but overall uh i think the last mission of sea of thieves in particular was really incredible because you're fighting like a huge like fortress uh and there's like a bunch of ships and you fight um What's that guy? Davy Jones. You fight Davy Jones and his uh, and his like flying Dutchman. Like it's just like an epic battle, and it felt epic. So, Sea of Thieves, Pirates Life DLC, Game of the Year contender. 
I'm saying it right now. Great game of the game. year, 2018. All right. <laughs> game of the year, 2018. Uh, on that note. <laughs> Most disappointing game of 2018, game of the year, 2021. It, it pulled right? a, real, uh, a real cyberpunk. <laughs> it, uh, all right. Speaking of games that you should play with the Japanese uh, audio track, although apparently there's like, <clears throat> there's like a debate here. Some people are like, no, the, the English voice, voice acting in Sekiro is really good. And you could, you could play it in that and not feel bad about yourself. But like for me, I would feel bad about myself if I played that game with English voice acting because I, it just loses that extra immersion. In any case, I'm like at the end of Sekiro. I've not beaten the last boss. I'm contemplating fighting one of the optional side bosses. And I'm sticking with my opinion. I still think that this is debatably the best from game, even if maybe my favorite from game is still Dark Souls. That said, I kind of am having the Doom Eternal problem where when I go back and play Dark Souls, I'm like, mm, I want to play Sekiro instead. It's a little more engaging. Uh, mm-hmm. my, my complaints about this game, like this game I think is a much more consistent game than possibly any of the FromSoft games that I've played uh, from beginning to end. I love how they reuse spaces in a really interesting way. Um, my like my one complaint that really isn't retaking Ashina Castle just like the best yeah, like, like it's three so times awesome. or whatever two times yeah and you and you know it I love how you know it but it's different when you come back and you th- oh, I thought that was so cool I really like that it's very good um, some of the bosses some of these optional bosses are they teeter on the edge of being cheap we're like there was one boss that I died I kid you not like sixty times to like literally. Like oh, 60 oh t- welcome to the demon. It wasn't of the hatred. demon of hatred? Nice uh, demon. I don't. I, I oh, s- welcome to the second owl. Second owl. Yeah. <laughs> there you second go. Second owl. Uh, and many of those deaths, I feel like maybe as many as like twenty of those deaths were like Owl and I got stuck in a corner, and the camera moved into such a way that I like the camera wasn't looking at me anymore, and Owl did some weird bullshit that I couldn't tell when to block, and I like died. For, like from what felt like bullshit, like felt like just like the camera wasn't working right, and Al did something strange, and felt ultimately a little cheap. So like, there's a few moments like that in this game. Also, like you can get stuck on some of these environments, particularly where you fight the second Al fight, are like too fucking small, and like too many things you can get stuck on that just triggers the camera to go blah, and like like it's like oh am I playing Ninja Gaiden two again? Um, other than that. Loving it. Loving every second of it. And I have actually, at, when I, particularly when I was stuck on Al, I went back on my PC because I'm playing it on my Series X and played through basically the whole game after Janichiro up to the first Al fight in like an hour and was just like beating every boss my first try because I had begot, I'd gotten so much better at the game. Um, so I've almost played through it twice. Nice. nice. Do you think, I think the best moments of Sekiro are the non-boss parts. I think when you're fighting the regular enemies and exploring is when the game's at its best. And I think it may be, you can make the case, that's like some of FromSoft's best gameplay in general. Like the sneaking around and then fighting all the dudes, all that stuff is really, 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 really fun. Whereas I think like Dark Souls, like the boss time and the enemy time are like equally fun. I think in Sekiro, the boss time's a little bit too hard sometimes. So it's more fun to do the exploration uh, stuff. Generally, the I, bosses are not, aren't like that, but they can be i will say i really love the the uh, final boss i think that boss in particular is really fun to fight once you get he's very fun but he's very difficult but he's very fun i agree the first time i fought him i hated it but like the second third and fourth times i fought him i was like this rocks this is so so, when you play on 
on the English dub, every time you die to him, he goes, hesitation is defeat. And I've heard him say that I don't know how many goddamn times. <laughs> hesitation is defeat. Hesitation is de- every time. This you is should one line really change it to the Japanese voice acting. Uh, on that point, I actually don't know if I totally I did, no, I played it with the Japanese agree with you. Um, I, I, think that the, I think that it's very even. The thing I like so much about Sekiro, even though I will admit that particularly the second album fight is maybe slightly unbalanced, could have been tweaked a little more, um, is how much it feels like I'm studying for an exam. And like, w- w- by the time I got to Dark Souls 3, a lot of those bosses I beat in my first, second, or third try pretty easily. I didn't have to learn the boss. I was just over-leveled or whatever, you know? Like, th- you could, or you could cheese them, or you could invite somebody. There's lots of, like, ways. I really had to learn these fights, and, like, very few of the boss battles did I beat the day I got to them. I normally had to fight them, internalize the stuff, go to sleep, and, like, let that, let that knowledge transfer to long-term memory, and then come back and beat them again. So it felt very much like I was taking an exam for each boss battle, and I really liked that about this game. I I will say, though, and I know we're going back into the Bloodborne Sekiro debate, but uh, one thing that I love about Bloodborne... Sorry, I know Kevin's smiling. No, it's fine. It's fine. It just makes me laugh. It's all good. Dig in, man. Yeah, Keep it going. Keep it going. The thing about Bloodborne, and I totally get your argument... Uh, Aaron, that um, like it's like it's like the Doom Eternal problem. It's like regardless if Doom Eternal is your favorite game or not, sometimes it's hard to go back because it's like I miss that double dash, I miss that shotgun, super shotgun, whatever. Uh, the one thing that I really love about Bloodborne is um, are the boss fights, and the reason why I love the boss fights of Bloodborne and why I think they're the best is that I feel like I'm discovering and confronting some sort of eldritch like truth or horror and i'm like face it i'm like like literally when i find sister abriatus i'm like it's on like i am confronting this cosmic entity and uh and this cosmic truth but i don't think sekiro ever really has that feeling and i do agree with kevin that i think i prefer the moment-to-moment gameplay more than the boss fights in that game though there are a couple of like total bangers in sekiro i love the guardian ape i love genichiro i love uh, sure Ishin. like those three in particular are like so good i like the first giant i like almost every mini boss mm-hmm. yeah yeah oh i loved how they did mini bosses in sekiro i think even more so than the actual bosses like because the mini bosses are how you upgrade in that game so i thought that was a really inspired choice to uh make the mini bosses the way you upgrade yeah. the mini bosses are extremely mm-hmm. fun I, I don't know i'm really having like a good experience with this game I, who knows how long it's going to take me to beat these either the last two bosses or the last boss, depending on what my choice is. I'm kind of like, do I want to fuck? Oh, you're you're playing both. You're I playing probably both. am. I probably Come am going to play both because I'm not Come in a rush. On, but um, the the other thing this game's made me think a lot about is like three dimensional Metroidvania. You and I were talking briefly about this before we got on the pod, and like what a mm-hmm. good like because I'm also playing Prey at the same time, and I've also been dabbling back and forth into Control. And I think that these are all like they're all good examples of like three dimensional. I hate to say Metroidvania because like I, I want another word, but like nonlinear open world games that aren't of the Bethesda Ubisoft style, right? Um, and I think that like yeah, it's not big flat open. Right, it's it's lots of interlocking connected paths. Um, and like mm-hmm. I think of the three, Control is definitely the weakest. 
because and it's and it's the game that yeah. I find myself going back to the least or the least excited to jump back into, even though I always have a good time. Like I, I think that controls both sort of like superficially simple and like mechanically simple, even though it's like it looks so good when like when you're watching it, it looks so cool. It's so much style, but it's kind of not a ton beyond the style, maybe. Even though I'm like I'm not, this is not me trashing control. I just think compared to Prey and Sagaro, I think that those are just masterful uh, Metroidvanias. So, yeah. I think in terms of those games too, I don't remember the layout of the Federal Bureau of Control quite as well right. as I know Transtar or Ashina Castle. Yeah. Or, uh, or yeah, Ashina. Yeah. Uh, what's up, George? I was just saying the map seems so terrible. Oh, I the map. Yeah. I finished the game recently. Like it's a great game, but like the map's terrible. Mm. The map's shit. Yeah, the map is confusing. I can't it's even like, like. Where am I? Am I on the top level, the bottom level, or are you yeah. showing me both? I'm confused. C- yeah. Control is a weird game because on the one hand, it's the best game ever, ever, but like it also falls short in some like really critical areas. Um, but mm. it's like. It's such a great game. I love it, but like the map is bad. I still haven't. I'm not totally sold on Jesse Fadden as a protagonist. I don't think she's that interesting. But like, there's so much other good shit in that game that I'm willing to forgive it. Like, I love uh, the lore. Just the lore is it makes that game. I think. Yeah, definitely. It's a very cool. Game. More about what? Uh, I got the game for free. Going back to Sekiro, uh, I got the game for free as like part of a website I was doing for. Second boss fight, I smashed my phone, so I, I need to say I didn't finish through the game. Like I, I'm terrible at Soulsborne games. Yeah, it's mm. it is a step above it's the other Soulsborne games too in terms of difficulty. But it's also like like Orin was saying this last time, and I was saying I was replaying it, and I was absolutely destroying the game. Like, it's like the first time you try to play a Metallica song on guitar or whatever, like, it's really fucking hard. But once you learn how to play it, you, you know how to play it. Like, like once you know how to play that game, you will be executing at a high level, which I think is a really good sign of, of well-implemented difficulty. It just takes oh, some patience. But, but, yeah. Yeah. I, so many uh, games out there, like, I don't know if I'm going to have time to submit to it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, you got Ratchet, right? You got Ratchet and you got... Uh, Returnal, Returnal, man. Though I heard Returnal's also... I'm jealous really of the Returnal. Yeah, although... <laughs> yeah. Returnal's supposed to be brutal. So, Aaron, you didn't even mention my favorite recent uh, Metroidvania, 3D Metroidvania, which is the Resident Evil 2 remake. I think that's... Oh, yeah. I think I think that has the best Metroidvania, in my opinion. Like, I, I got to... But that's... Again, it's subjective. It's an opinion. But, um, I, uh, but the thing about Resident Evil 2 remakes, Metroidvania, is I just memorized that layout so much where I even n- knew where the item placements mm. were. I'm like, I know that in this room I'm going to find 9mm ammo. I know in this room I'm going to find a green herb. Like, I just got that, like... It, it was really just that memorable to me that I just knew that police station inside and out. Totally. I, I think that Resident Evil, I mean, Resident Evil predates, as we were saying earlier, like Castlevania Symphony of the Night, like the original Resident Evil. That is really the, that like, it should be like a Resident Evil-like, I guess. But it's not because it's like, we're just talking about the map right. design, but like the first Resident Evil is like a master class in that sort of non-linear branching design. Um, and, and I think, yeah. I think so good. Uh, 
it, the thing excuse me, about Resident Evil 2 Remake that was really cool is like I I knew the the, the Ma- RPD mansion so well just from those fixed camera angle image static images that when I finally played it in the remake like I already knew my whole way on the that, the police station just from looking at static stills of <laughs> of them con- you know because I mean they're, they're they're just connected images that they made like it's not like it was a real 3D environment but I I completely knew it before I played the game. So I I have to applaud them like on that design and also like I love the mansion I feel like or the mansion the 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 uh, police station excuse me but also the I mansion. feel like in those kind of games like the right. mansion as well of course um, I always say that if I was infinitely rich I would live in the Resident Evil mansion and have them rebuild it and I would live in the <laughs> Spencer mansion. You're real pain to go to the bathroom, huh? Every but, time uh, you like I gotta unlock this fucking door. Yeah, <laughs> like oh I have a sword key. Uh. Damn it! Uh, but, I don't have the yellow jewel to stick in the lion's uh, uh, head. Yeah, to, like, I, <laughs> to flush the toilet. Crap. Um, the uh, <laughs> the I feel like in a way they're almost like characters. Those worlds, like you know them so well. There's distinct elements about mm-hmm. them. They have their flaws, their beauty. You know, like they really are kind of like a character in a way of all those yeah. games. So if it's really well crafted, you you know it, it evokes a feeling when you're there. When you think about it, the music and all that, it's just yeah good stuff so so i was gonna since we're on the topic of resident evil george i actually saw in your blog that you played resident evil village recently uh what did you think of it it was great like i of the resident evil games played like half of five from years ago uh resident evil 2 remake and 3 remake and like a little four on my pc like resident evil village i loved oh and i also played seven but like village just blows like seven out the water it's a lot more. It's a lot more action-oriented. Resident Evil Seven was more like Texas Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Resident Evil Eight's kind of like Aliens, kind of like it was in a gothic bloodborne like Village. Like it's a lot more action-oriented. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a scary sure. game. Like it's a lot more like in terms of lineage. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, I'm sorry I missed that first part. Do you think it's the best of the recent ones, or do you prefer like two remake? I don't think so. Like I have to, I have to go back and re- replay the second remake. But like, but like, it's definitely want, it's definitely a contender. But like, I don't think it's the best. Sure, I'm kind of, I'm kind of torn between Village and Two Remake as my favorite of the recent Resident Evils. Uh, I agree, Seven is like really good, but like I thought again, Village blew it out of the water. I was a huge fan. Down. Huge fan. So. The two yeah. remake is so good. It's so hard. I, yeah. I think two, two remake does the Metroidvania perfectly, but I love Village for the uh, pacing and for the uh, villains. So it's it's hard for me to choose. All right, uh, mm-hmm. Oren, you gonna give us a quick update on this Remnant from the Ashes? Yeah, um, I actually just beat Remnant from the Ashes again on hard mode with um, a friend of mine. And the more I play that game, the more I think it's one of my, the more, I think at last podcast I said it was my second favorite Soulsborne. And I think I, it's not like a FromSoft game, but it's like my second favorite Soulsborne type game. My first favorite being Bloodborne. Mm. And I think I, I'm going to stand by that. I just think that game is a lot of fun to play. I love how the guns feel. I love how the game feels like Resident Evil 4 while feeling like Bloodborne. And um, (laughs) the game actually gets really difficult in some parts it, to the point where um, like it actually required a lot of teamwork 
Like, I had to really work with uh, the guy I was playing with to, like, take down certain bosses, and we had to, like, actually kind of play, like, Gears of War, where it's like, you're going to do this thing while I do this thing, and, like, we'll see if it works. And I just thought that gameplay loop was great. Also, another thing I love about Remnant is that it's only, like, a 15 to 20 hour long game, which I think is kind of refreshing, because most Soulsborne games are, like, 40 plus hour experiences and require a commitment. Neo two is like 50 hours. Neo one's 50 hours. Bloodborne's like 60 hours with the DLC. So it was, it's really nice to play a Soulsborne game that isn't punishingly long. Like it's just like a 15, 20 hour experience that you can replay. And the other great part about the game is the game is procedurally generated, and that includes the bosses, hmm. so you can replay the campaign and get new bosses every time, so it keeps it fresh. Did you fight a tree boss? Uh, yeah, I fought the tree boss, the Cthulhu tree. boss tree. is shit. He, he's hard, but he's Dude, not we the hardest. We were playing on, on like hard mode, or like very hard mode, and like my friend and I died like 20 times on that fight. And he was like that- maxed out geared, and we were like... Why is this guy so hard? Took it. So took the perfect. So the hardest boss in the game for us, like the two of us, was the moth boss. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. There, 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 there's like it's kind of like a demon souls. Uh, the demon souls boss. There's like a bridge, and then there's one moth on one side and another moth on the other side, and they both attack you at the same time. So you have to keep in mind, like uh, both moths and their attacks. So you have to do 180s and turn around a lot we died 20 times maybe more maybe 30 it was it was a project Hmm. killing that boss but but the tree boss is very hard i remember that one um gorefist is also a really hard boss There, there, there are some punishingly difficult bosses but i just like the gameplay loop just scoring headshots in that game feels great um i love the rifle and how it feels it's it it gives me what i love about bloodborne and resident evil 4 combined in this nice package all right for sure kevin fill us in on the world of uh bioware what you're playing on what jade jade uh, empire not yet probably next okay. though that'll probably be on my list i just recently found out that knights of the old republic 2 on steam has workshop support so people oh, can submit mods nice on the workshop and you can install them now obviously you could the game's always immodable. You could download mods off Nexus mods and stuff. But I just like, I don't know, I used to do a lot of modding in the old days. I'm not, I'm like not into copying and backing up and replacing all that anymore. I'm just like too lazy. Or oh, yeah. Let me tell you about Sekiro so, wide, widescreen fix. Uh, yeah, I have, yeah, I've used that. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's cool. I might try that as well. Um, but I've mostly been playing Mass Effect 2 on uh, the Xbox Series mm-hmm. S. And that's been a lot of fun. I went back and compared it to Mass Effect 2 on my PC and my original version, and the remaster looks way way better. better? I have to say, I was surpri- I was surprised how like washed out and jaggy hmm. the original game looked. It was like the HDR really mm. they really did some work on the HDR of that game because it it looks way. Well, I don't better. think the original it, game it looked had like how HDR, I remembered. Right? Yeah. No, it didn't. It, did. it looked like how I, like playing it looked like how I remember, hmm. but then I actually look back at the original, my memory definitely was rosy. How about um, the combat? Is the combat but, um, not the different? In two? Yeah. It seems like it's the same. And like I said before, you, that you can't do multi-contextual actions at once, so you can't get into cover and reload 
which bugs me because I'm used to gears where you can do that. So it hasn't aged perfectly on that regard, but the combat's still fun. Mm-hmm. I'm still like I still like doing it. It's enjoyable. Um, the first time I played through the game, I was playing as a renegade male shepherd. My initial playthrough. Now I'm playing as female shepherd uh, paragon. And it's funny because when I played it then, it felt like Renegade was like the right way to play it. And now I'm like, I don't know how I even played this game Renegade. Like, it just seems like so, like, how could I have done this? It's like some of these options you can do are so bad. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It just seems like Paragon is the only way I could ever play that game now. Um, but I have to say, and I remember hearing about this back in the day, Jennifer Hale, I think, is a much better voice actor than Mark Muir. No, no offense to Mark Muir. He's, he's, I like him. But I think Jennifer Hale has a much better dramatic scope. Mm. Like her range is just much more believable. Um, and she's she's Naomi Hunter in Metal Gear, you know? Oh you know, yeah, that? No, I don't know. And Rivet in Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you mentioned that. That's awesome. Um, uh, so I rushed through the first game, which is I think like a twelve-hour game, which I think was stupid because there's a lot of stuff I probably would have liked to have done. I was a little sad once I beat it. I made a mistake, too. I didn't save it at the point of no return before that. So I, like, don't have my saves. I have to play it through again. But it's a really short game. The first game's, like, Did you go to the moon? Like, yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't this time. But I think you fight Cerberus agents on the moon. Hmm. Does that matter? I don't know. No. But um, the second game is huge. Mm. It's massive. I'm like, I'm... my, My... time counter keeps getting lost so i'm not sure how many hours in i am but i played it a lot i i have to be over 30 hours because i did i was at one point at 20 hours and it's since gone back to zero hours for some Mm. reason but it's a really big game i still feel like i have a ton of things to do and i've already done like a ton of loyalty missions for it um so yeah the loyalty missions i remember those Hmm. Mm -hmm. um so i was look I, i always wondered why certain party members weren't in two or you couldn't have them they're in the game but you can't have them in your in your party and the reason is because they didn't want them to die in the game because anyone can die in mass effect 2 spoilers or not spo- I don't know if it's really spoilers any, any of your party members can die in a certain point hmm. in the game and they didn't want certain characters to die they wanted them to make it to the third so game. wait miranda so can die was like, yeah. yeah yep i mean maybe she maybe she any, does any, die. Any, even shepherd even shepherd in the, in the in the huh. game strange yeah if you if you screw up in the final mission mm. so um yeah uh that's why they locked some of them behind non-partyable because they wanted them to be like we need tally in that third game. yeah yeah. Hmm. yeah but but she's a party oh member is she, game. she okay die. i thought she was not a yeah. party member um hmm. all right uh but um i have to say like the I, I commented this before. The tonal difference is huge. It, it, even like visually, in some ways, the game feels like. I wonder what it w- would have been like if they had made a Mass Effect two if they weren't bought by EA. I, I do like. I think it's a great game. It's one yeah. of my favorites. But I just wonder like if it. I, the first game is such a different. It's like a different franchise. Totally. Like it, they're very yeah. different. The writing is still really good. All that stuff's like still there. It's just like it just feels very different. And I remember playing because. They came out, I think, three years apart, 2007, 2010. Yeah. I remember playing Mass Effect 2 for the first time, and uh, in your ship, you can listen to the music from the first game. And I remember at that time having nostalgia for the first game. And that was, like, three mm-hmm. years later, you know? So, like, I think there's, I don't know, there's just definitely a different feeling I get from this game. I can't describe it, but it's just not the same as the first one. The first game is something magical about it that I think is they haven't been able to do again, unfortunately. 
And I'm I'm really curious about the third game because I remember not liking it when I played it. But we'll see. Maybe I'll like it more now. I don't yeah. know. Uh, George, have uh, you played the Mass Effect games? Yes. Like yes. I, I played like half three. I didn't never on PS3 and never really finished it. Like I know the ending basically. I know like the ending, but like I never played through the end. Like I, I love the Mass Effect series a lot. Like I'm gonna buy the Legendary Edition at some point, probably. It's worth it. I wasn't sure how like much I would like it going back. I'm not sure why, but I wasn't sure. And then like playing it, I was like, oh yeah, this is I love this. This is this is awesome. Like this is <laughs> I'm so glad that I went back and playing this because that's all I want to mm-hmm. play now. So yeah. Cool. It's been fun. I've been enjoying it a lot. Alright. Well I should probably play it try it at one point. I, I should think try you it. will we'll see. Or and I think you will, you will enjoy. What about me, Kevin? Do you think I'll enjoy revisit? Yeah, at least the first game for you. I could just sure. play that though. I mean, do I need to buy this? I I don't. You don't need, need to. I can just play it. I kind of honestly, I would. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with mm-hmm. the first game, because the combat fixes I think are significant enough for the first game. I think the first game's like remastered combat was better than the second mm-hmm. game's non remastered mm-hmm. combat. It just felt uh, more uh, smooth. I'm going to disappoint everybody right now and say that I think I'm a little bit more interested in playing the Witcher 3 upgrade mm. just because I want to play like Toussaint or like, you know, Velen and just see that. I'm excited for that too. Yeah. I, they're going to put that out this year. Oh, it's going to have yeah. ray tracing. It's going to have improved all this kinds of bullshit who knows it's gonna look better i want to ask you guys a question on this as it relates to this 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 what do you prefer fantasy or sci-fi just globally i prefer sci-fi but i think i think for some reason i would rather play the witcher 3 again than mass effect i don't know why it's just witcher 3 got me in a way that i wasn't expecting yeah, the thing I think that uh, makes The Witcher Three, and you could confirm this or deny this for me, uh, Oren, is that The Witcher Three, like Kevin's saying, like these, you have these Paragon Renegade choices where it's like ridiculous. It's like shoot all the children in the village, or like give them all the food in your ship, right? It's like these really ridiculous binary choices. Where in in, in uh, The Witcher, there's these more like morally ambiguous like uh, moments of like it's unsure what's going to have a better outcome. So that's actually part of the reason why, and I'm going to pass the ball to George on this too, um, but like The Witcher 3, the reason why it stuck with me so much is because I remember playing the Blood and Wine DLC, and I think I told this story before, but I'll tell it again for the sake of conversation, but in the Blood and Wine DLC, I thought I was making all the right decisions. Like, I was like going with my gut, I was trying to make like, you know, like what are the best equitable decisions for this storyline? And everybody died. Everybody died in the story. And I really like felt powerless in a way that video games rarely made me feel. So I think that's the reason why I kind of am more of a Witcher 3 fan, I think. Because I feel like I haven't played the Mass Effect games in a long time. But like I think Mass Effect kind of makes it pretty cut and dry. Where it's like, what you're doing is what's going to happen. And... That's going to be the Renegade. That's going to be the Paragon choice. It's fairly cut and dry. But for Witcher 3, there have been times where I thought I was making the right decision, and it wasn't. So, uh, George, have you played the... It sounds like you're a Witcher 3 fan. Uh, I, I love... Yeah, I played the main story, and like I played half of Heart of Stone, but then like something happened with my copy, so like 
long story short, I my copy broke, so I put it in my PS4 and fucked up the inside. So I had to get an entirely new PS4, and I lost mm. all my save data. I never got back to finishing Heart of Stones or Blood and Wine. Um, so like, if if you get the chance with this next gen upgrade to play through Heart of Stone and Blood and Wine, I actually think they're better than the main mm. game, in my opinion. Like I was I was a huge fan of the dlc and it actually like i think uh the witcher 3 like the main story like i was kind of at like an 8 or 9 out of 10 with it like i'm like this is like really good but it's not my favorite thing but the dlc really set it over the edge with the storytelling for me um so that's where i'm at anyway i should play the mass effect games again though before making such a you know an unfair judgment that i prefer witcher a bit uh, i guess we also we snubbed kevin's question there sorry about that you were asking if we prefer fantasy or science fiction <laughs> sorry it's all right. just, i just ran with it we had a good, a good conversation sorry about that. Okay. like <laughs> i think aesthetically i prefer science fiction but like when it comes to speculative fiction like i think it, any kind of speculative fiction can do the thing that i want from sci-fi which is the sort of like philosophical thought experiment like i think Game of Thrones does a really incredible job of that. I, I think Game of Thrones is probably better, or I prefer when when it was good to like any sci-fi that I can think of off the top of my head. For well, for the most part. Well, actually, I have a question for you, Kevin. Why why are you asking this question? Because uh, like the okay. reason why I can the reason why, Well, yeah, like the reason why <laughs> like I'm asking is because I have a friend of mine who will be like. Uh, like I can't play, I can't watch Lord of the Rings. I can't watch Game of Thrones. I can't play The Witcher because I hate Tolkien-esque fantasy. That's what he calls it, Tolkien-esque. And it's like I get that, but I'm also like I feel like that's fairly superficial because, as Aaron said, he said, um, you know, like Game of Thrones. Even though like aesthetically it might not be like you know the thing he would want, like just the storytelling and how it portrays the world, like is more up his alley and 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 affects him more than a lot of other science fiction so i guess like i want to just switch back to you like what do you think like uh like what are you trying to get at with 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 that so i find that i don't generally gravitate towards high fantasy like i i kind of don't like it and i was trying to think why why do i dislike it is it because i don't know what is it my the reasons i thought were that to me science fiction not always is often more grounded in reality or a believable world not necessarily always the case i'm not saying everything but that's like usually it's more built on something that could potentially exist whereas fantasy is often built on something that more than likely could never exist not always this is not like i'm just saying more broad stroke sure. necessarily always um and i think that might be a big part of it for me like it doesn't feel like fantasy worlds are as believable mm -hmm. like it doesn't seem like people could actually not all of them um, I think it depends on how focused it is on elves, dwarves, orcs, and magic. If it's focused on that heavily, then I'm not as into it. If it's focused on, like, human politics and that kind of, like, like real-world stuff, like Game of Thrones felt like, very political, then I'm much more engaged in it. I just think if it's really stressing the high fantasy elements is when I'm not as drawn into it, I think. I, I think that's what it is, and I think sci-fi doesn't seem to be i guess it can focus on technology well, I mean, star wars I is, does I, that kind of thing star wars but star wars does is that. Fantasy. star wars is not yeah. really truly sci-fi though it's like yeah. it's a, it's space opera which apparently is its own genre it's like it's not really just fantasy it's like a big big better part it's like romance and like it's kind of like a 19 i think it's like a turn of the century 1930s, 1940s 40s. radio serials correct me on that yeah yeah 
and it was born out of like that era, but it's not necessarily fantasy either. It's kind of like its own little thing. But I don't know. I just was trying to think like, why is it that I don't prefer? Is it like just aesthetic purposes? I don't think so. Because one of my favorite games is Dark Souls. Right. <laughs> and that's got all sorts of knights and aesthetic stuff. So I, I think I do like that stuff. I just think if it's like too non-believable, too, too focused on, and I guess also maybe the tropes. I feel like high fantasy can follow heavily on certain tropes that I feel like I've seen a million times. And it's kind of, that's how I felt about The Witcher. Apparently that's not the case. But that was how I felt about it from when I, my, when I played on it. I felt like this is something I had seen before. I don't know if <clears throat> like special warrior guy is gonna like save the world. It's like, oh okay. Yeah, I don't think that's the Witcher. <laughs> I, I think you're you're you might be making a judgment. But I hear what you're saying. He has to stop the the wild hunt. But you know sure. what I'm saying though? Like just just more broadly. Not mess with the Witcher. Totally. Yeah. What do you guys think? The uh, Yeah, I think with the Witcher three it's I think you're you're actually fairly justified in your assessment because I think the main story there is like an obvious MacGuffin and that MacGuffin storytelling can be kind of annoying. Um, but yeah, I know I totally get where you're coming from, Kevin. Cause, uh, honestly, I get put off by high fantasy for his aesthetic purposes too. Cause you're right. I'm like, ah, fucking dwarves. Like, I don't, I'm not interested in that. And like, I tend to gravitate more toward, more towards like science fiction. Um, I also think, and this is kind of like, this is where we get into the weeds a little bit, but I, I think high fantasy tends to have a representation problem. It used, it's usually like a very like white centric medium in a way that can be off-putting especially now like when i watch like the lord of the rings i'm like there's literally no black people in this movie and there's no reason for it um Mm -hmm. but uh but no i think overall you're right i think science fiction tends to have like more you can do with it like you can explore you know like the more like intellectual side of it or like the body horror side of it like david cronenberg does or like the more intergalactic like space race side of it like there's so much you can do with it uh mm-hmm. george what do you what do you prefer sci-fi or fantasy uh honestly i prefer sci-fi but i've been kind of burnt out recently on it so like i'm looking for a good fantasy series to like read that isn't harry potter or game of thrones like i don't know like maybe <laughs> i prefer enough. sci-fi but i'm kind of burned out on it though i just finished reading do android stream of electric sheep by Philip K. Dick. Great, great fucking book. Nice. It's totally different from the film, Blade Runner, but it's still a great, very philosophical book about what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. Sweet. What do you think, Gary, about the fantasy? I, well, thing? I think that, like, exactly. particularly when you're talking about high fantasy, is that it, it really does have, like, a dated perspective and, like, politics to it that just feels wrong. Like that doesn't make sense uh-huh. to our modern sensibilities, so it feels cheesy and weird. Like, in a in a way mm-hmm. that like it could be off putting or could be charming, depending on who you are. Um, but like, I, I think like the broader category of, and I you know I'm a little ske- or hesitant to throw things into like really concrete categories, but like speculative fiction when it's doing the best work, whether it's fantasy or horror or science fiction, for me is when it's asking these interesting questions and then using characters and scenarios to sort of like run out of thought experiment. Like that's my favorite science fiction. And I think that all, I think all of those categories can do that. So um, I don't know. I think Sekiro is a good example of like fantasy, like Sekiro is like a historical fiction, but it's very fantastic. It's not what we think of when we think of quote unquote Mm -hmm. fantasy, but it's like a really interesting, unique 
mystical take uh, on Japan that, that is really fantastic in the same way that the Lord of the Rings might have felt in the 1950s or whatever, 60s when it came out. Mm-hmm. I agree. And that's what I was saying. It doesn't have that focus on like the dwarves and the elves and the orcs and the magic. It's not, it's not, it's not what the focus is. It's about like people's interactions, in this case, Wolf mm-hmm. and this old clan he used to belong to. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I always I always get kind of like reluctant to when people kind of like write up off whole genres just because they don't like necessarily like the tropes. Like I was talking to somebody recently saying like, I'll never watch The Sopranos. That show's bad. And it's like, why do you why don't you want to watch The Sopranos? And they're like, oh, Tony Gabagool, like I hate Italians, like it sucks. And I'm like, there's so much more to The Sopranos <laughs> than just that, right. you know? So I think it's like sure. sometimes like unfair when people write off whole genres. So I kind of like roll my eyes when like my friend of mine's like, I don't want to like deal with like Tolkien-esque fantasy. That's what he calls it. I'm like, yeah, but like, you know, there's, there's good stuff there. They right. just happen to use that genre. I also right? think that, that, that mm-hmm. you could risk like making like a category error or like, like just being too ambitious or aggressive with your labeling. Like, I don't think Game of Thrones is Tolkien-esque fantasy at all. Like it's a much more medieval. Right. There's no... Not- weird races or very little magic martin said it was a metafictional response to yeah. tolkien as fantasy like it was literally a not that so he was trying to do but in this case literally is actually yeah I, I think like it's it's it could be very easy to be like oh i don't want to watch you know this science fiction movie because i hate star wars or something like it, it, yeah basically i'm agreeing with what you're saying mm-hmm. like don't be i'm not saying i hate fantasy but no of course no no i think you're just trying to incite an interesting conversation about like explore why what's, is it that what's I feel different what different textures do we find in these different labels that we put on media yeah and also i just want to say in terms of high fantasy i really like the elder scrolls universe the universe i really like it i know it has all those things i was talking about do you I just read like the books setting. in yeah. that fucking game because no. does anybody read the books no feels- i did at one point that was the game that made me decide to stop reading in-game stuff and and then control comes along and it's like everything. Mm-hmm. And then you can try to read everything. anything to control. Yep. Maybe I'm fucking up. Like oh, it's so good. Whoa. You should read it. I read it all in Last of it's Us like Two. Story no, of the game. You are playing the every game email wrong. in. You're playing Prey, the game wrong. No control. They're so fucking long. So, and it's like I want to go back to controversial heads. take. I didn't like the stuff I read in Last of Us Part Two. That was not what I liked. Yeah, about that game. You're, there's something wrong with you. Uh, I know you guys liked it. I know. I know. I didn't think it was that uh, cool. Like I wasn't that impressed by the archer. Really there are some really cool subplots some hidden stuff in, the, in there. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm not the, saying it was yeah. bad. It just it wasn't what I liked about sure. the game. I feel I feel like the I feel like the lore storytelling in Last of Us Part Two is arguably better than the main story. But that's just I would agree. Opinion. I would say that was the strongest storytelling in that game for me. Because the main story is just like a revenge plot. I mean, I love the main story. I love Abby. I love Ellie. I love all that stuff. I just really loved like some of the subplots that they hid away in the lore entries. I thought that was really creative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you were a fan of Last of Us Part Two, right, George? Uh, kinda. Like, I only played the game once so the first time. I haven't gone back to play. It. Like, there are some stuff. There's some stuff the game like doesn't do well in. But, like, sometimes the violence gets really like over the top. Like, I mean, it's kind of like misery porn. Like, so many characters, like, die in that game. So, like, you know, like, it's. I think it's a lot better than, like, the haters give it credit for. Yeah. I have to, re- I have to go back and replay it at some point. Yeah, you can yeah. play it with the PS5 60 f- frames per second. Get those headshots that much easier. Yeah, on the PS5. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Uh, all right. I, I got to be mindful of our time, so we, we got to wrap up shortly here. George, uh, 
I hope you've been briefed that we expect you to have an endorsement at the end of the show. Um, I'm kidding, of course, but we, yeah. we give it. We like to give a little recommendation of something that we're we're interested in. Um, if you have something that's great, if if you if you didn't, no problem. Uh, Oren, what's your recommendation this week? So, um, fun fact, my recommendation actually, uh, and, uh, George, you actually kind of inspired this. I was looking, I was following your letterboxed, like, and I saw that you watched Thief by Michael Mann. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen Thief from beginning to end. So I went on a Michael Mann binge, who is like a famous genre filmmaker. He's done, his most famous movie is Heat with Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, but he's made another a lot of other great movies. So I watched Thief with James Caan. I watched Manhunter, uh, which is like, you know, the first Hannibal Lecter movie. Uh, and so I watched those two movies. And I was, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a new favorite director. Like, <laughs> Thief is just an amazing character study of, uh, of just like a guy just kind of trying to have a life after, you know, like, he got out of prison for, like, 13 years, like, after 13 years, and now he's trying to build a life, and he has to do one last score. And it's kind of like Drive, Nicholas Winning's reference Drive, but before Drive, it came out in the early 80s. And Manhunter is, like, Silence of the Lambs meets Zodiac, but if it came out in the 80s and had, like, a heavy 80s aesthetic, like, intense neons, intense colors... Um, amazing 80s needle drops Hmm. so that movie is incredible too so if you want like really excellent genre cinema um, Michael Mann is where it's at cool that's that dovetails somewhat well into my recommendation tonight I'm gonna go to the Hollywood Forever Cemetery and watch uh, the Silence of the Lambs under the stars in the cemetery Uh, so my recommendation is now that the world is somewhat normal Go see a movie. Go see a movie outdoors. There's a lot of, in Los Angeles, there's a lot of rooftop screenings and stuff, and there's there's the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Depending on where you live, there may be different options or not, but if you can get to see an outdoor movie in the summer, it's a pretty magical experience. You bring a bottle of wine, some sandwiches, you sit out on the grass. It's, it's, it's fun. So I'm going to do that tonight. That's so sick. I just realized that Hannibal has been kind of a theme throughout our podcast because George brought up uh, Matt Solar Zeitz and how much he loves Hannibal. I brought up Manhunter, and now you brought up Silence of the Lambs. So that's funny how that was the theme for this pod. It's cool because I haven't seen that movie since I was a kid. Like it's obviously like everywhere, like in popular culture for the last thirty years. Like people making jokes about it, but like I've only seen it once when I was very young, and I think on TV censored. So I don't even totally know what to expect. So I'm kind of excited. Have fun. Mm. Uh, Kevin, did you have a rec? Um, I do. I have a kind of a, a straightforward mm-hmm. one, but one that you should consider if you don't have this. Uh, if you do a lot of PC gaming, you should absolutely buy an ultra wide monitor. I got one and I love it. I use it. I, I work on it. It's amazing. Um, actually, Aaron was the first person to get an ultra wide, and I saw it and I was like, this is incredible. Um, I was really sold on it when I started to play Assassin's Creed and I was like was climbing over a mountain I like looked over the horizon and it was like this wide screen panoramic like print like it looked like just this huge amazing vista so I have to say widescreen game ultra widescreen gaming is a uh, incredible thing and whenever I watch movies now (laughs) 
in tw- in 16 by 9 I always like notice the like bars I'm like hey it looks like my display mm. now it's like <laughs> I, I can <laughs> always see that so it's definitely cool to like see stuff in like the cin- quote cinematic perspective um, yeah it's very I don't know it's 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 like an awesome experience that if you like can afford it and it's like you're into PC gaming and that's something that like you're into working with like potentially a little like stuff not supporting it or supporting it can be like a little troubleshooting like Sekiro it's totally yeah it so the, the perspective yeah. is like cinema scope. It's like uh, two point two three five or one two three five to one or something like that. Um, and it's it, an ultra wide monitor is usually thirty four inches. So when you're sitting there at like computer, it's it's very immersive. Um, and it's got that extra cinematic sort of feel to it. It's, it's fun. It's cool. And they're actually pretty affordable now. The only th- like they're more affordable than the fucking graphics mm-hmm. cards. That's the one. Like normally, I would always say Get, yeah. Build a PC. It's a great place to game. But like right now, I'm like, get a Series S. It's uh, get a console. It's it's, the, yeah. it's just a better deal. Get a Series S and a fucking 144 hertz monitor, and for 500 bucks, and you'll be you'll be set for the next two years at least. Mm-hmm. I, I just gotta say, like to a, like I keep endorsing the Series S, but I think it's my favorite console I've ever owned. I just love that thing so much. I love mine too. I bought so for me, I bought my Series S as like a temporary solution until i get a series x and now i'm like i don't even need a series x this thing does all i it's already awesome yeah. i don't i don't need to get the x. upgrade I mean, i'd love to have two one years but right yeah it, yeah, yeah it's, it's like uh, if you awesome. don't yeah if you don't care about having a ton of storage and uh, honestly i feel like that's the only real reason oh and you if you don't care about having a disc drive yeah. like the series yeah. s is fine it's totally fine and you can supplement the, distor- mm-hmm. the storage in ways without buying that expensive hard drive you can get you could like you can put back compat games on thumb drives and stuff like that that works fine so mm-hmm. there's lots of options it's, it's the uh, game pass box yeah. ultimately yeah oh yeah it's such a great like indie game machine too for game pass and yeah. stuff it's a game pass machine just yeah. like you said yeah uh george did you have a rick um, yeah, I have another podcast series to recommend. Uh, the Weekly Stuff Podcast by Jonathan Lack and Sean Chapman. They re- uh, they have it every Monday. They review the latest in movies, TV shows, video games. They also have uh, the Panion Podcast, Weekly Suit Gundam. About They're currently reviewing the Gundam anime series. So if you were interested in that, give that a listen. Cool. 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 Nice. I think I've I think I saw you like uh, tr- uh, like share that at some point or uh, comment on like a post on Twitter about that. So I'm gonna have to check that out. You should like the guys are professors, so like you know the stuff. Uh, that's awesome. P- people who are savvy on pop culture theory and stuff like that is awesome. That's awesome. Cool. All right. Well, George, thank you so much for being on. We really appreciate your time and uh, thank you yeah, for having yeah. me. And. Madden, as always, we love you. We appreciate when you talk shit to Oren in the comment section. Um, <laughs> and we, we love the, uh, the track that you made for our podcast. You are our favorite person. Uh, and that's all. We'll be back. For sure. We'll probably be back in three weeks. All, all, of, these, uh, all of these lighthouse simps here, am yeah. I right? Like, You're right. Uh, <laughs> like, we, uh, Kevin and I are going to be on vacation. So the next podcast might be a week later than usual. Apologies for that in advance. Have a great week. We'll see you soon.